Come on, if you love Jesus, make some noise. Come on now. Come on, second gathering. Lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Come on. Woo. Man, I just want to take a moment and say hello to all of you that are in our South Metro Atlanta campus. And then, of course, looking in the cameras in the back of the room. If you're new here, we're actually one church in two locations. So we have our church family right here in the Sharpsburg, Georgia area. Then 700 miles from here is our Germantown, Maryland campus. We love all of you. And then we've got a great online gathering of people watching from all over the globe. And then one of our traditions, we always give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women who have served in our serving come on can you welcome our germantown campus welcome our online gathering and then a big shout to all of the military personnel come on let them hear you yeah oh you're on a you're, on, you're here on the right sunday we're in week number two of a series called ask away and uh, you may remember two things from easter sunday uh, the first thing you may remember is this jacket come on somebody I've been saving this one in the back of the closet for the right day, and it is today. And then the second thing you may remember from Easter is we gave you a survey card. As a part of that survey card, we uh, asked you to submit questions, any question life about life, about faith, about the Bible, about money, parenting, you name it. And then we took all of those questions, we categorized them by theme, and then through the course of this series, what we call Ask Away, we're trying to tackle some of those different questions and topics. And so I pray that you're encouraged today. And I pray you were encouraged last week. Did you enjoy last Sunday? Come on, I love last Sunday. Now, before we jump into week number two, let me just give you two reminders. And I want you to mark your calendars to save the date. On September the 8th, that's a really big day for both of our campuses. But we're rebranding to go church, to go church. That's the vision that the Lord has put in our heart. It's the commission of Jesus, from Jesus, to every single one of us. And the Great Commission, the Bible says it was Jesus's, some of his last words. He says, therefore, go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so on September the 8th, we're rebranding to Go Church. Here's the beautiful thing. We've got our Germantown campus under the Go Church umbrella. And then here, this particular location, we're keeping the understanding and the identity of our South Metro Atlanta campus because we're building on the foundation and the legacy and the heritage of this wonderful church. Come on, aren't you thankful for, for that, for history? So we bless Pastor Allen and Dr. Valerie for that, and we look forward to the future. So that's September the 8th. And then if you are at this particular campus, South Metro Atlanta, on September the 8th, we're launching three gatherings. And the three different times are as follows, 8, 9.45, and 11.30. And if you're sitting here wondering, well, why, why do we need three gatherings? Because look next to you. Not many seats, and this is one of two gatherings that have been absolutely full to capacity. Come on, isn't that fantastic? I love it. So, as a matter of fact, I don't need you to look around, but they did ask if I would make an announcement, and if there's an empty seat near you, just slide in. They've been bringing in chairs from the back, and there are some that are still looking for a seat, so help our ushers to make sure everybody's got a seat. Isn't it great to be a part of a church that's alive and growing? Come on. So... Make sure you mark those different uh, save the dates and events. Plus on September the 8th, we've got our At The Movie series. It's the perfect day, September the 8th, the perfect day to invite your family, to invite your friends, to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, we're just really, really excited. All right, let's jump into our Ask Away series. And uh, let me preface it by saying this. I'm not going to preach this. I'm just going to remind you that during Ask Away, and really every single Sunday, I'm not standing up here acting like I know it all. 
that I've got all the answers. I am as much of a student of the word as anyone else. I am learning as we grow together. I believe that the Lord has put some things in my heart and then through the Holy Spirit, there is some revelation and understanding of scripture. So no matter the question that we answer or attempt to answer on each Sunday through Ask Away or any topic or sermon series that we do, I just want you to know that we're praying over the message, we're praying over the conversation, and we're believing that the Lord would speak to you. Not Pastor JC, but that the Lord would speak to you. So open up your hearts, open up your Bibles, open up your minds. One of the things I love about our church at both campuses is that so many people come a, are from a different journey of faith. Some have been in the faith thing for a really long time. Others have just gotten started. And there are some who are still skeptical of this whole Christianity thing and this Jesus thing. And so I just pray that something that is said or a song that is sung or a prayer that is prayed would just encourage you to know more about Jesus personally. Can you give me a good amen? Because nothing that we do is about religion. It's all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship. So uh, each Ask Away, each week in the Ask Away series, I try to tackle a number of questions. Truthfully, though, I couldn't get away from this one. I told you this would be the one question that we look at together today. And so for the next 37 minutes or so, I want, I want to sit on this one question. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I may try to tackle two questions on a Sunday or three. But I, I want to sit on this one because I feel the weight of this question. And so I try to present a message or have a conversation with you that is, you know, and I don't use this loosely, but I want you to enjoy the message, not just endure the message, okay? So sometimes that may come across a little funny, and then other weeks, like last week, I might even sing a little Brian McKnight. Come on now. So, but with this one, I really feel the weight of this question, and, and so let me, let me read it to you. You see it on the TV screen, but I want to sit on this one, and, and I, I do understand that this one may feel a little heavier today. I'm going to try my best to encourage you along the way, and I'm going to try my best to encourage me along the way, uh, but, but this is the question. Whoever submitted it wrote it like this. I, I can't seem to ever catch a break. You can already tell that somebody's writing from a place of disappointment or from a place of frustration. It just seems like there's always something bad happening to me. And then it was these last five words that just gripped my heart and burdened my heart. And it says, why is life so hard? Why is life so hard? On the count of three, both locations, can we say this last phrase together? Why is life so hard? One, two, three. Why is life so hard? Let's do it again one more time. One, two, three. Why is life so hard? Let me respond to this before I give you kind of an answer. I, th I think that anybody that has life experience, and I almost put an age attached to that, but I refuse to because the challenges of life are not contingent upon someone's age. Some people are born into pain. They're born into difficult situations. They're, they're born into challenges. They, they start out two or three steps behind. Nod at me if you understand what I'm trying to say. But here's what I do know is that anybody with some life experience, I think that all of us have asked a question like this. Now, maybe we didn't word it exactly the same way, but why is life so hard? I, I've asked that before. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, 
God, how come every time I pray, you, you seem to never hear me when I pray? All of those kind of thematically have the same DNA of confusion and frustration and disappointment and, and challenges. As a matter of fact, just so I can prove my point, come on, both campuses participate. But by a show of hands, how many of you have ever had a difficult season in life? Put your hand up if you've ever had a difficult season in life. If you didn't put your hand up, you're probably lying, all right? All of us have faced difficulty. And the other thing I want you to know is, is that, and I'm not trying to compare my journey, nor am I trying to compete with you and your journey. And I'm really not even trying to build credibility so that I have a place of like uh, understanding of where to speak from. I'm just being honest. Even in my own life, I've been in hard seasons. I've been in tough seasons. I think one of the reasons that I preach the way that I preach with whatever adjective, positive adjective you'd like to use to describe that preaching, it comes from a place of transparency. It comes from a place of understanding. I, I've, been, I've been through some stuff. You know, I've told you this before, so many of you know this, but at 13 years old, my father died from a heart attack, and I, I, never, I never really had closure in that conversation. You know, I mean, one minute he was here, the next minute he was gone. And we've experienced in our family death really from all different sides. I mean, from the time my dad died at 13 for the next six or seven years, we went on a journey that led me into a deep, dark hole of depression. And I justified my bondage and my addiction and my strongholds and, and my sin. By God, life's hard. So what I'm doing to cope with the difficulty of the storm, you'll understand. Are you with me? And so 13, my dad died. Two years later, my, my childhood best friend committed suicide. Two years after that, my aunt died from cancer. Two years after that, my sister died from uh, an incurable disease. And so for those six years, like, I, can I just be real? I was angry with God. I was upset with God. And I've even said this to you before, but there was a time where I said, God, you, you got to pick on somebody else because enough is enough. We can't take the pain anymore. And there was a point, and I want you to hear my heart, and I, I pray that the fact that I'm standing here today with a microphone in my hand and a Bible on this pulpit is testimony enough to the faithfulness of God that he can bring you out of any deep, dark place. Any deep, come on now, any deep, dark place. Because there was a season where, and hear me, I, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live. Because I, I didn't feel like I had anything worth living for. Because life was hard and life wasn't fair. And I watched the single mom struggle to make ends meet and work and work and work. So I didn't want to live. And then one day, I had this encounter with a man named Jesus. Come on now. Woo. My father-in-law would say it like this. Whoop, glory. Come on. Come on. How many of you remember that? Yeah. I met a man named Jesus. And Jesus, with an outstretched arm, he reached into that pit of depression. 
into that deep, dark place of despair. And he lifted me up out of that life. And he taught me that there is, write this down or tweet it, that there is always purpose in the pain, that there is always a message in the mess. Can I get a couple hundred people, whatever campus you're a part of, that can testify that God can work all things together for good? Come on and give Jesus praise right there. Come on. When Kimberly and I, when we first got married, I got sick, really sick. As a matter of fact, I was speaking at a youth camp, and when the service was over, I doubled over in pain. We were in North Carolina. She rushed me to the emergency room where they recognized that I was, my hemoglobin count was significantly dangerously low. They began to pump in me pints of blood. My skin started turning jaundice in color, and over the next few months, they discovered a tumor in my small intestines, and my, my intestines was trying to digest themselves. My body was eating itself, and the doctor said, if we can't figure this out, he's not going to live. Now, we're, we're just married, and so then they, they begin the process of taking out a foot and a half of my intestines. I went through that recovery process, and again, I'm not comparing what I've been through with what you've been through, but I know what it feels like to say, God, why is life so hard? Why, why is life so hard? And I made a commitment on that deathbed. If you raise me up out of this hospital, I will preach the gospel. Come on now. I will live for you. I'll commit my life to you. And we just go through life. And life is hard. And I, don't, I, don't want, I want this message to be an encouragement. And if you give me time, I'll get there. But you need to know something. Nobody is exempt from pain. And if I've got frustration with any, with, if there's any frustration with, with the church, like the big C church, the global church, especially in our culture, it's that too many of us, well, let, me, let me be even more real. I'm in it now. I might as well say what I mean and mean what I say. Too many of you walk in here like you got it all together. Listen, we are a broken people, a desperate people, and we cannot save ourselves from the mess that we're in. But thanks be to God that God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Anybody glad for Jesus? We walk in here, we should walk in with the realization, I need, this is a hospital for the hurting. Come on now. And the biggest difference between some of us and others of us, some of us just got here first. We're all hurting. We're all broken. And we all have a story. We all have a story. Now, here's what I want you to know. Nobody's exempt from pain. And, and some believers, some Christians, some, some followers of Jesus, they really believe that they're immune from adversity. Uh, and I fell into this trap as well. In a season of my life, I thought, well, if I can just have enough faith, then my faith will push all my problems away. Or I, I, I thought, if I can just read the Bible, like in six months or in a year, if I can read the whole Bible in a year, then God will look down with great favor on me and he'll say, well, you've been a, a good Christian, so I'm going to remove you from the problem. Are, are you with me? Like, I, there was a part of me that thought, if I can just check off my religious to-dos, then I don't have to go through the storms of life. If I can just pray the right prayer and pray long enough, then when I come out of that prayer, I'll walk into a world that even when it's raining, it's raining Skittles. Come on, somebody. I had a lot of storms in my life. Never one time did it rain Skittles. 
And we face challenges every single day. And I thought, well, certainly there's some things I've got to do where I'm not affected by adversity and by trouble. And I've told the Lord, come on. I, I, thought, that, I thought that we were on the same page and the same team. And I said, Lord, surely if I live my life for you, life's got to be, watch this, easy. Let me tell you what Jesus never said. Jesus never said that being a follower would exempt you from any challenges. Let me tell you what Jesus did say. Here's what Jesus said. He said that in this world, you might, you could, it's possible, it's probable. No, no, he said you will have. Now, I want you to focus in on, on a key phrase here, two words. They're not highlighted in yellow, but they're critically important. He says, in this world. See, in this world, it is a world full of evil. In this world, it is a world full of sin and challenges and difficulties. But I've just come to tell somebody that if you are in Christ Jesus, there is another world. Come on now. And it's an eternal world. And I'll preach that in a minute. But it's a place where there is no sickness, a place where there is no pain, a place where there is no cancer, a place where there are no financial problems. It's a place called glory, a place called heaven. Come on now. And he says, and as long as you're alive on this earth, as long as there's, you know, blood in your veins and oxygen in your lungs, you are going to have trouble. Nobody's exempt. And don't get it wrong, the person next to you, they've got their own storm and their own stuff. But here's the good news, because if we stopped there, it would be discouraging. But he says, look, in this world, and there's another world coming. And if you want encouragement, it should be that. That we don't have to put up with all this nonsense. Come on. He says, in this world you will have trouble. He says, but you can take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Let's say it together. Both campuses on three. One, two, three. I have overcome the world. Let's just pause and say thanks to Jesus. Come on. He says, I've overcome the world. I really tried to study every, every message, but I just feel this one differently, the weight of it. And I had this thought... It's not like a revelation from God. It's not even very profound. As a matter of fact, you'll probably be a little like disappointed that I'm even saying this. But in preparation, I had this thought. And here's the thought. It seems to me that, let me just, even if you're not in this category, let me just put us all in the same place, okay? It seems to me like so many of us act surprised when life gets hard. <gasps> I never saw that coming. But really, I think, and here's a thought, we always act surprised when life gets hard, but I really think we should act surprised if life ever feels easy. Here's why. Because you have purpose. You have destiny. You have calling. You have gifts. And I'll talk more about this later on, but the enemy doesn't like that. The enemy is terrified of the potential that is within you. And so there, it's, not, it's not surprising to me when difficulty comes up. As a matter of fact, I don't know the last time that I've watched the news and been like, I ah, can't believe it. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not compassionate or empathetic or my heart breaks for these stupid mass shootings. Or the fact that racism, racism is not from God. 
Come on. We have to put, we have to put up with that. We have to put up with racism. I'm not putting up with racism. Somebody told me in recent weeks, they said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to stand on the other side. I said, you ain't got to worry about that. You ain't going to heaven. You ain't got nothing to worry about. When I get to heaven, there better not be. You, you'll never know. Because you ain't going. <laughs> Somebody help me preach. I think so I, don't, I don't watch the news and think, oh man, I never saw this coming. Listen, read Matthew, the book of Matthew. Read, read about the last days. The Lord will lead us here on these conversations, but you need to know something. What we are witnessing around the world with all of the evil and all of the challenges and all of the junk, it's just prophetic word. It's, a, it's end times prophecy that is being fulfilled because simultaneous with all of the stuff is a great awakening across the globe of people coming to know Jesus Christ. And if, if you want to know anything, you better know Jesus because Jesus is coming back. Come on. So the point is this, I don't act surprised when, when bad stuff happens. I read, I read the book, bad things are going to happen before Jesus comes back. But we can take heart because Jesus has overcome all of it. My, are, are we okay today? You've heard me say this, but my hope is in no one but Jesus. Only in Jesus. I think we just act surprised. Like, I never, I never saw that coming. Listen, trouble will come. Adversity will come. I, I wish that I could wave some magic wand and say, you know what? Whew. You'll never have another problem in your life. As a matter of fact, the Lord just reminded me of this. Last night, my little London, she's four, she started having like some sinus allergy stuff. And it's funny how children are because the first thing she asks about medicine, is it good kind or is it bad kind? Is it good kind or bad kind? So Kimberly says, well, well, this is the kind that tastes bad. It's not the bad kind of medicine, it just tastes bad. And London starts crying, crying. I, I was actually laying in the bed. She was in the bathroom with Kimberly, and I hear London say, I want my daddy. I want my daddy. I want my daddy. And so Kimberly said, well, take this medicine, you know, to your daddy. He'll give it to you. And I, I took the little syringe, and it, 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 was just, it was just something to help with her sinuses, you know. And, and I, said, I said, I wish I could take this for you. And you know what she said? Me too. <laughs> Me too. And I know London didn't comprehend it. And to be honest, I wasn't trying to be uber spiritual. And I said, but if I take it for you, it won't help you. I can take it for you. I can take it from you, but it won't do what it needs to do in you. And I just want to tell somebody, even if I had the power, which I don't have the power, to remove the storm that you're going through, I still wouldn't do it because it's in the storm that you get to grow. Come on now. It's in the pain that you find your purpose. It's in the stuff that you get to experience the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. I wish I had like 200 people that would know that in the middle of whatever you're walking through, you can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Come on and give Jesus praise. Woo! I think there are some people that think, well, I got into this whole Christianity thing because I wanted life to be easy. Or some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I, I was considering Jesus because I wanted an easy life. 
Listen to me, if that's your ideology, you're gonna be, you're gonna be sorely frustrated in this process. And I don't know what pastor or what teacher ever told you that if you, if you serve Jesus and you love Jesus and Jesus loves you, you never go through a storm. That is not the gospel. The gospel is this, in this world you will have trouble, but I will empower you, I will equip you to face whatever problem, whatever pain, whatever challenge, whatever adversity. Come on, the Bible says greater is he on the inside of us than he that's in the world. Woo! I'm preaching better than you're helping me. That's all I'm saying. I'm about to take up my own offering. It's so good. Watch this. Let me show you this, uh, this story here because I think it applies to so many of us today. Mark chapter 4, the Bible says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let me pause here for just a moment because if you're like me, you've probably read this and missed it, that Jesus made a promise. Jesus said, if you get into this boat, we're going across the lake. We're going to go to the other side. And I just want to pause right here and tell you that you're going to make it. That in the middle of whatever you're going through, you're going, you are going to make it. Because all of his promises are both yes and amen. You will make it. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus will oftentimes give you the promise, but he won't tell you about the process. Because if he tells you about the process that you have to walk on in, in order to receive the promise, you all would be like, I'm out. I'm out. Because I would too. So Jesus, and you're about to see what happens, Jesus doesn't say, get in the boat. A Category 5 hurricane will show up. The boat will almost be capsized. And then I'll reveal my glory. Because if you're like me, I'd be like, I ain't getting on that three-hour tour. Ain't nobody got time for that. Some of you need to Google that reference. <laughs> so here's what the disciples did. They, they took Jesus just as he was. Because Jesus made a promise. And I know that life is hard. I know that life is painful. And I know you feel like giving up. But I want to pause right here because I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, don't you give up. My mama used to say it like this. She still says it like this. Don't give up today because your miracle might be tomorrow. Come on, you heard this in the ministry moment earlier, but joy comes in the, in, the, in the morning. Hang in there. They took Jesus just as he was, and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although the other boats followed. But soon, verse 37, there was a fierce what? Yeah, a big old storm showed up. And all of a sudden, these, these high waves begin to break into the boat. And the boat became full of, of water, and it was about, about to sink. And, and I want you to notice the posture of Jesus, because this is important. Because a lot of times you think, I'm in the middle of my storm, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. But that's not true. And this verse, it says that Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a my pillow. And I think it's so interesting because, come on, you and I are very similar. When storms show up, panic sets in. Not for Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he's sitting on the right hand of the Father using the earth as his footstool. It's like he's sitting back in a lazy boy recliner with his feet propped up on planet earth. He's got no worry. He's got no fear. He's got no concern. But yet you and I, we pace back and forth. What are we going to do? And what's going to happen? And the whole time, Jesus is taking a siesta asleep and what and I love the response of the disciples so they they woke him up shouting teacher 
don't you even care that we're about to drown? And here's what I want you to notice, again, because there's this ideology that if I can just get close to Jesus, I'll never go through a problem. If I can just have Jesus in my life, there'll never be an issue. If Jesus can just get in my boat, then I'll never have to go through a storm. But don't miss this. The disciples were engulfed by high waves and strong winds while they were in the presence of Jesus. Let, let me say it like this. Even in his presence, they still had a problem. <laughs> Even in his presence, they still had a problem. Nobody's exempt. No matter how far you are away from God or how close you are to God. And now some of you are sitting here thinking, wait, well, hold on. Because I came today considering Jesus as the Lord of my life. Because I've got stuff. And now you're telling me that if I say yes to Jesus, it's not going to help with my problems. So, so now you're reconsidering your initial consideration. Because how, how many times have you heard us preachers say, Jesus is the answer? And he is. But it doesn't mean you won't have pain and problems. So you're probably sitting there thinking, well, if following Jesus doesn't get me out of the pains of life, what's the point? I'm so glad you asked. Write this down if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do this. Being a follower of Jesus does not mean we get out of the storms. It just means that we're never in the storms alone. Okay, I know, I know you gave me kind of like a Southern Baptist amen right there, and I'm good with that. But this is true. This is profound. The difference between believers and non-believers is not the adversity and the difficulty and the trouble. The difference is, is that I don't have to face the storm by myself. That whenever I go through trouble, whenever I go through pain, Jesus is right there the whole time. Jesus is always in the boat. Watch this. Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat. He's there. And all I have to do, because I have Jesus in my heart, I've got Jesus in my life, I've got Jesus on my boat. Come on, somebody. There's, there's a husband in the room. You've been wanting to buy a boat, and you keep nudging your wife. Honey, here it is. It's a word from the Lord. I ain't talking about buying a boat. I'm talking about the boat of life. Come on, ladies, help me out. Jesus is in that boat. Watch this. All you have to do is go running to Jesus. They came running to Jesus shouting, and here's what Jesus does. He wakes up, and he rebukes the wind. He rebukes the sea. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't yell at them. If you wake me up from a nap, I'm yelling at you. I love my children until they wake me up from a nap. Jesus says, no, no, no. He looks up and he rebukes the wind and he rebukes the sea. And here's what he says. Quiet down. Another translation says that he says, peace. Be still. Let me just ask you a question. You can respond by lifting your hands if you want to. But does anybody need peace? The type of peace that Jesus gives in the middle of that storm is not the type of peace that the world offers. So the biggest difference between those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ is not the amount of pain that we walk through. It's that when we walk through it, we get Jesus with us every step of the way. So here's a question. Let me give it to you because I really, I really need to ask somebody. If you don't have Jesus in your boat, who are you running to when the storms show up? 
If you, if you don't have Jesus in your boat, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, what, what are you running to when the storms show up? Because listen to me, this isn't doom and gloom. I've got some encouragement coming, but watch, the storms are going to show up. And if you've got Jesus, he'll give you peace. A type of peace that passes all understanding. Hey, let's do this both campuses. It's just a great place to pause and to give Jesus thanks. Come on, can we do that together? Okay, let me, let me walk you through this because I want to give you some practical things to consider. So the person said, why is life so hard? Why, why is life so hard? I'm going to give you four things that the Lord dropped in my heart for today. The first one is this. Write them all down. Number one is this. I hurt myself. Life is hard because we hurt ourselves. Come on. You've made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions. You've done dumb stuff. And one time I did a dumb thing too. Once. Here's what, yeah, here's what I've learned about storms. And you've heard me say this before. Not every storm that you face in this world is from God. And here's another one. And not every storm that you face in this world is from the devil either. And oftentimes we always look at God, why would you do this? And God's like, I didn't do that. And then you look at the devil, why'd you do this? He's like, I didn't do that either. Some storms are self-inflicted. Uh, let, let, me, let me break it down a little bit more practically. You can't spend more money than you make, get into financial bondage and blame that on God or the devil. You spent the money. Are you hearing me? Uh, let me say it like this. I think it was Jeff Foxworthy, a great comedian, who said that the famous last words of a redneck are, hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> Dumb things. And we've done that. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, he churched it up a little bit, and this is how he said it. He said, what, what am I doing? If you've never stopped and asked that self-assessment, what, what am I doing? Paul says, what am I doing? I don't, I don't understand. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not practicing what I would like to do. Hey, let me say it like this. Come on, you come to church, you hear the word, you get in worship, uh, you read the Bible, you, you, you know the things that you should be doing. And yet so often we go back into this world and we hurt ourselves because we do what we know we should not be doing. That's not God's fault. He says, instead, I do the very thing that I what? Because, and I told you this last week, I believe, because this world has a gravitational pull. Sin, sin is enticing. Sin is attractive. If sin weren't those things, so many people wouldn't be in it. And so we find ourselves in competition with the flesh and the spirit. And too many times, life is hard because we make bad choices. That's why I want every teenager at both of our campuses, and if you're watching online, I want you to hear me just for a second. This is why your parents often tell you, be careful who you run with. Be careful who you hang with. When I was youth pastoring, I would always tell our teenagers, show me your five closest friends, and I'll tell you where you'll be in five years. 
because you often act like who you run with. And you get around them, and I, I, I took my son, he's going into the fourth grade, I took him to, to breakfast two weekends ago, and I said, I want to talk to you going into the fourth grade about peer pressure. Peer pre Do you know what peer pressure is? He said, I don't think so. And I said, I'm going to tell you about peer pressure because the enemy wants to destroy the calling on my son's life and my daughter's life, and it starts early. And I told him, I said, Lake, you're a leader. God's anointed you and he's called you. You don't have to do dumb things because everybody else is doing dumb stuff. I wish I had some parents that would just like, come on, agree with me. I said, you're different. You're set apart. You don't have to be like, you don't have to, because everybody else is doing it. You're not like everybody else. Students, this is why your parents preach this type of message to you, because you get caught up in doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And then one day, listen to me and I'll move on. And then one day you wake up and you think, how in the world? Did I end up here? It's a slow pull. Come on, somebody agree with me on this. All right, so the first one is I hurt myself. Here's the second one. The second reason why life is hard is because sometimes other people hurt us. You've been hurt by other people and so have I. And if you've ever done counseling of any kind, you've probably heard this, this phrase because it rings so true. Hurting people hurt people. You, if you're not careful, regardless of your age, you'll get around hurting people and you try to help them and you try to do for them and they hurt you. I'm not saying don't be kind and don't be compassionate and don't, don't lend a helping hand, but I have learned in my lifetime the people I help the most are often those that hurt me the worst. Some of you know that because this is family members that have done it to you. The deepest type of pain is the pain that comes from family that hurts you. When somebody else hurts, that's a pain. But when family, when they hurt, it's a different level of hurt. It's why, it's why the Bible says, as a matter of fact, if you took your Bible and you mathematically calculated all of the chapters and verses and you divided it right in half, the very middle of your Bible says this, it is better to put your trust in the Lord than it is to put your confidence in man. Because God will never let you down, but man will almost always let you down. And I think about it like this, because so many of us were waiting to offer forgiveness once the person that hurt us realized how bad they hurt us. And you need to know something, and this, this word right here is going to be very freeing for many of you. They will never know the depth of the pain they've caused to you. Because they can't even see how bad they've hurt themselves. I think about Jesus hanging on the cross, the Son of God, that in a moment he could, have, he could have called lightning down from heaven to strike the people that had crucified him. He, he could have off the cross and been like, hey, who's your daddy now? Right? But he didn't. In that moment where he could have taken recourse, he chose to pray to his father on behalf of the ignorance of the people. And here's what he said. This isn't new to many of you. You've heard this before. Here's what he said. Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. I'm not minimizing the pain that's been caused by other people, but I'm telling you this. You harboring unforgiveness, it's only hurting you. Because they're going on about their business, aren't they? 
They haven't thought twice about the pain that they've caused you. And holding on to that unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, thinking it's going to kill them. And all the while, it's killing you. We talked about forgiveness in depth in March on our five things that will keep a family together. And here's the challenge that I gave to you, and I think it's worth reminding. Jesus chose to forgive those that crucified him. And it brings us to the place where we have to consider, can we forgive those who have hurt us? Let me say it like this, and then I'll, I'll share my heart about the screen here. The longer you hold on to that hurt from other people, the more difficult your life will become. Because you'll never be free. And so I would say today, before you walk out of this auditorium or our Germantown campus, you really come to Jesus over this one. And say, God... I, I forgive, and you, you fill in the blank with a name or names for whatever. I forgive my dad. Don't, you may not even call him your dad. I forgive his name for walking out on me and my mother and our siblings. I, I forgive my spouse for the affair that they had. I forgive my boss for whatever it is, because I don't think they knew what they were doing. And watch this. And even if they did, they don't know how bad I'm hurt. But I refuse to let them keep me from my purpose in life. So God, I'm giving it to you, and I'm walking in freedom. Come on, somebody put your hands together right there. I got to move. Number three, here's another reason life is hard, because the enemy has hurt me. Um, I, I hope I've got, I've got five years plus of experience as a lead pastor. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to have about 30 more. I would. I'd love to build on the legacy that my father-in-law has left. He pastored this church for 33 years. I'd, I'd love to hang in there as long as he has. And I hope I keep my hair. I'm just, throwing, I'm just saying. The Bible says, let your request be made known. He didn't say that 35 years ago. He should have. I did. I don't know the time that the Lord will give me on this earth, but as long as I'm capable of preaching the gospel, I will tell people about spiritual warfare. You're in, you're in a battle. This is why I said earlier, we shouldn't act surprised when life is hard. We should be surprised when life feels easy. Because while you can't see it in the natural in the invisible, in the spirit realm, there is a war. There's this, there's this battle for your soul. And the enemy and his demons are trying to destroy and devour everything that you accomplish to do under the name of Jesus. I said this to you, but the enemy's greatest fear is your potential. And what would happen if you recognize that through Christ, you can do extraordinary things? As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 5 says it like this. You need to stay alert. Uh, another translation says you need to be sober-minded. And watch out for who? Your great who? Come on, your great who? The who? Now, this, this devil doesn't have little horns and a pitchfork. Poke, 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 poke. No, he's got a plan, and he's got a scheme, and he knows your weaknesses. 
And you've got, you've got to realize that the enemy, once you, once you dead, he's looking for someone to hurt. He's looking for someone to destroy. And until, I'll move on because time's running out. But until you recognize, listen to me, everybody lean in, both campuses, watch this. Until you recognize that you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Read Ephesians chapter 6 on your own time. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But your battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. There is a war. There's a war. But here's the good news. God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit and the armor of God. Now watch. It starts with the helmet of salvation and it goes all the way down to your feet fit with the readiness of the gospel of peace. But he will not dress you. You have to dress yourself. Did you hear me? And if you want to overcome the spiritual warfare because the devil is hurting me, he's got no power. The devil's got no authority. The devil's got no position. As a matter of fact, the only place he belongs is under our feet. Come on now. Hey, so many people that are like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm more afraid of me than I am of the devil. Because through Christ, we've got the victory. There used to be this old song, victory in Jesus. Come on, we've got the victory. But we have to walk in that because the enemy is looking to devour. Last one. Watch this. I, I got to move. I'll talk about this next week because our earthly perspective has hurt us. We're too focused on what's happening here, on what we can see. As a matter of fact, Paul says it like this in second. Everybody get that written down? My earthly perspective has hurt me. My earthly perspective has hurt me. I think too many of us, we think that this is it. This is all there is. Pardon the grammar, but this ain't it. This life, and you'll see it, is very temporary. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, what we can see in the natural, we're wasting away. But deep down, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And here's what he says. For our light and our momentary, what? Troubles. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then here's the encouragement. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what we can see. Look at our health problems as if we're going to lose a battle or our marital issues. Those are there and they need to be addressed. But at the end of the day, we don't look at what we can see. We look at what we can't see. Because what we see is what? Come on, help me preach, church. What we see is temporary. But what is unseen is what? And that, that's what I want to talk about next week. Because overwhelming, this question was submitted. What's heaven going to be like? What's it going to be like? Do I get a mansion? Will my pet Pookie be there? Will I be married? Is it boring? What's heaven going to be like? I can't wait to share with you some of the things that I'm learning about heaven. But I think in the meantime, let's get our eyes off of what we can see. And here's what we do when life gets hard. You've got to choose joy. Whatever the face that you're up against, whatever it looks like, you've got to choose joy. Joy is a choice. And you know how I know it? Because you choose to be miserable. So you can also choose to be joyful. Here's what Paul says. He says it like this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, 
but I'm not crushed. I choose joy. He says, yeah, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Come on. He says in the, in the later chapter, he says, I'm sorrowful, yet I'm always rejoicing. I'm poor, but I can make everybody else rich. He says, I have nothing, yet really I possess everything. In the middle of life being hard, you can choose joy. Before your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning, you make the choice. No matter what storms come, I choose joy. Second thing is this. Once you choose to live in joy, then you continue to rejoice always. And you pray continually. And you give thanks. It's, it's 1 Thessalonians. It says it like this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in everything that you go through. For this is God's will. I don't want to give you some Christian cliche answer to say, well, life's hard, so go pray about it. But I'm telling you this, that when you pray, something does happen. One of my spiritual mentors, and I mean this, I've had great opportunities to sit one-on-one -on -one and in groups with Pastor Chris Hodges. He talks about prayer like this. He says, prayer does not move God towards us. Prayer moves us toward God. And you've got to pray in the middle of what it is because when you pray, you get closer to Jesus and he gives you the strength. And then the third thing to do when life is hard is realize you are never alone. You're never alone. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy. He will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So we're going to close. I always close with a question and I'm going to give it to you. Our worship teams are coming. Our campus pastors are getting ready to move. And when we transition, they'll sing a song at both campuses. And then I want to invite those, our campus pastor here and at Germantown, we'll do this with more detail. But we're going to invite people to come and pray if you need prayer because you feel like life is hard. But here's the question. Who has hurt you? What has hurt you that has made your life so hard and so difficult? And then what, what next steps do you need to take to receive healing? Because God wants you to be healed. And God wants you to be whole.